Welcome to Closer to Christ, the sermon podcast from St. Paul's Lutheran Church and The Bridge in Muskego, Wisconsin. You can learn more about our ministries at stpaulmuskego.org. And now for this week's message. He gets us. Our lesson for today is the gospel reading from one of the gospels, Mark 3, 20 through 35. And I'm going to throw two pictures at you just to help you picture in your head what's going on as we read. So this is what people think a home may have looked like in ancient Capernaum. The animals living down below for security to keep your animals safe. They were your property. Also to help heat the home in the cold months along with other things that would waft up from down below, right? Not super big, so that when Jesus in Mark 3 is preaching and teaching and the crowds gather and fill the house, we can understand why his family can't get at him. Okay? Mark 3, 20 through 35. Then Jesus entered a house, And again a crowd gathered, so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. When his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him, for they said, He is out of his mind. And the teachers of the law who came down from Jerusalem said, He is possessed by Beelzebul. Beelzebul was a name given by the ancient Israelites for for Satan, named after the false god of the Philistines known as Baal. He is possessed by Beelzebul, by the prince of demons. This Jesus is driving out demons. So Jesus called them over to him and began to speak to them in parables. How can Satan drive out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that that house cannot stand. And if Satan opposes himself and is divided, he cannot stand his end has come. In fact, no one can enter a strong man's house without first tying him up. Then he can plunder plunder the strong man's house. Truly, I tell you, people can be forgiven all their sins and every slander they utter. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. They are guilty of an eternal sin. He said this because they were saying of him, he has an impure spirit. Then Jesus' mother and brothers arrived. Standing outside, they sent someone in to call him. A crowd was sitting around him and they told him, your mother and brothers are outside looking for you. Who are my mother and brothers? He asked. Then he looked around at those seated in a circle around him and said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. These are the words of our God. It was a memorable day that shook the family. 
I think it was in July. It was sunny and hot. And all 22 of the Martin Baumgarten clan were gathered at the family farm near North Freedom, Wisconsin. We were a close bunch. We had cousins' parties every summer, no matter where we lived. Four-part harmony around the farm piano whenever we, whenever we gathered together. Turkey for Thanksgiving. Goose and duck for Christmas. Ham for Easter, like clockwork. Tears at funerals. Tears at weddings. Tears on Easter Sunday morning. Tears on a generic Sunday, because man, our God wasn't his good. But it was a memorable day in that summer of 1976. I had never heard voices raised like that unless they were in my direction as the naughty one. Voices raised in pain and anger and hurt. Why? Because each had to be right in the debate that was happening around the farmhouse dining room table. The topic? Only in the Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod. Public high school education versus Lutheran high school education. Oh my I don't think there ever was a resolution to the conflict. And I don't know if Jesus was ever really truly brought into the pain and the conflict or not. And I don't want to sin against my family, love them dearly, best childhood ever. But that was a day that shook the foundation. I was only 12. When I walked in on the tail end, what's going on? But what I learned as a lesson for life, not always so well, is this thought. Family conflict, each having to be right, is only resolved in the one who is right. Only resolved in the one who is right. You know, Jesus had days like that memorable day. When things weren't going so well with family, and, the, and in our reading, that day it had to do with his birth family, mom and brothers, and his church family, and the leaders of that church family, the teachers of the law. Each family that day had to be right. And they insisted that Jesus was in the wrong, but he was in the right. But their challenges to him through their words were hard for him. Think of what the writer to the Hebrews reminds us about our Jesus, our great high priest, when he wrote this. We have a high priest in Jesus who is able to empathize with our weaknesses. Why? He was tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. As true man, Jesus knows the pressure of our temptations. And the hurts this day from his families were real. His earthly family, mom and brothers, 
saw these crowds of people flocking to Jesus, and you just can almost hear the brothers thinking, what's up with my brother? Why does he think he's so special? And then we know they said he is out of his mind, he has lost his mind, what is he thinking? And the leaders of his church family did not want him to be God's Messiah. They did not want him to be the king they were waiting for. And so they said, he is demon-possessed. By the prince of demons, he is driving out demons. This was not easy for the man who is God. The words from his family were real, and they hurt. Jesus was doing the will of his Father in heaven. He brought the message of the kingdom, a message about the forgiveness of sins and life after death. People were hearing, and they flocked to him because they wanted to hear. He was doing the mission and the message of the kingdom every day. As he was, he was putting the devil on notice that he had come to destroy sin and death and the devil. And he put the devil on notice even as he was bringing notice to himself every time he cast out a demon. I am out of my mind and possessed by Satan himself? Now, that get, this whole thing gets my ire up. And, but what, and so what you're hearing in those last words, that's not Jesus, that's me on his behalf. Jesus was in the right. But if you think of what my reaction is on Jesus' behalf, it makes Jesus' reaction noteworthy. He calls the church family over to himself, and he goes into teaching mode with patience and wisdom and love. He begins teaching in parables to get them to rethink and reprocess what they had just said. So he said to the teachers of the law, if I am casting out demons by the prince of demons, that is not logical. If Satan opposes himself, well, a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. Satan's end has come. Notice how Jesus uses logic, logic without the sarcasm that bites and shames. And then Jesus spoke with honesty. But there was no bite to his honesty. There was just honesty. I tell you, people can be forgiven all their sins and every slander they utter. But whoever persists in blaspheming, blasphemy is foolish talk directed at God. Whoever persists in blaspheming, speaking foolishly against the Holy Spirit, will never be forgiven. This is Jesus being honored, uh, honest without anger. Honest without bite. He told the Jewish leaders, if you hold the Holy Spirit of God, the only one who can bring you to faith in Jesus as your Savior, if you hold him at arm's length, there's nothing left for you. There's no hope for you. He's the only one in the face of obvious truth. Jesus was not driving out demons in the service of Satan. He was attacking the kingdom of Satan, foretelling what was about to come. But the key for us today, Jesus did not 
feel the need to be right. He loved as a best friend who always tells us what we need to hear. And so he spoke next to his birth family hanging outside the windows. And his words were not with spite or bite or sarcasm. It was with truth. He said, whoever does God's will, that one is my brother, my sister, my mother. Making this our own. What are you hearing so far today? What Nathan Strobel is hearing is this. Beware the need to be right that turns an event into an argument defending how right I am and how wrong you are. Should I read that again? Beware the need to be right that turns an event into an argument defending how right I am and how wrong you are. Each one having to be right fractures relationships. And if I think that I am always right, I will stop listening to you. And eventually you will lose patience with me and you will walk away. If I always need to be right and think I am right, I will stop serving you and I will serve only me. And both of us will lose out on this amazing gift that God gave in the garden when he said to Adam, it is not good for the man to be alone and he created relationship. The need to be right attacks God's gift. Having to be right is different than witnessing to what is right and speaking into it in the right way. Speaking what is right involves wisdom and patience and logic and honesty all couched in love. Jesus did it that way for us. Jesus did it right for us. Think of what Paul wrote in the book of Romans about how Jesus saved us by dying for us and actively living in our place. Paul writes, just as through the disobedience of the one man, Adam, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, Jesus, the many will be made righteous. Jesus did it right for us and to inspire us. You know, whenever you and I crack the scriptures of God, but especially when we crack open the Gospels, that's a chance to spend a day in the life of the Savior and to come away with lessons for our life. So again, what are we hearing today from these verses? What I am hearing first and foremost is I don't need to be right. Why the felt need in all of us, most of us, to be right? Are we insecure? And our self-confidence really comes from making you think I'm right. Are we afraid for others to know that I don't know or that I can't do? Will it make me appear weak and vulnerable? Might I lose my job? Might hurt come to me? Maybe you're one of those that is gifted with 
typically being right, and you know it. And nothing's more fun than letting others know that you know it and that they know it, being right. I don't know about you, but I think I fit all three categories, sinner that I am. But Jesus was not focused. That's what's so amazing about this. Jesus was not focused on making sure that his birth family and his church family knew that he was right and they were wrong. Jesus was focused on speaking in the right way to what was right to reconcile everyone as family in God. He was focused on the message and the mission of the kingdom of God. That's how Jesus always operated. And it's how he wants us to operate today. A day of judgment is coming on this world. But right now, we are living in the, in the light of day, the time to preach the good news of Jesus as the world's Savior. This life is not about me and being right. This life is about sharing Jesus with the people in my life, that they may come to know Jesus as their Savior and spend forever with us and Jesus in heaven. So Jesus never lost sight of the mission and the message. There's a lot of examples in his life, but two come to mind readily. Think of Pontius Pilate. Pontius Pilate, right, was the Roman governor at the time that Jesus was crucified and died for the sins of the world. Pilate says this to Jesus as Jesus is bound before him, beaten, crown of thorns, blood flowing, and Pilate says to Jesus, don't you know that I have the power either to free you or to crucify you? And I got to picture Jesus, even as he was in that moment, with a little smile in the corner of his mouth, as he replies to Pilate, you would have no power over me if it were not given you from above. You see Jesus' love? You hear his love? He nud he's nudging the conscience of Pilate. Buddy, do the right thing. Rather than going, do you know how small you are and how big I am as a son of God? No. You would not have this power unless it was given you from above. On message, on point. Later that day, the Roman soldiers pounding nails through his hands and his feet, the ones who had spit on him, put a crown of thorns on his head, whacked him over the head. And he prays over them. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He didn't say, you guys know how small you are, how big I am, I'm letting you hurt me. No. Father, forgive them. Love. On point with the message and the mission of the kingdom. Making it our own. Number two, Jill. Dear friends, how do we resolve our need to be right? When I ponder my wonderful relationship with my wife, I know that I can do better. I know I can do better by not liking to be right so much. Even if I am right, though most of the time she's right. But I like her to once in a while say I'm right. How do we resolve that? 
to the glory of our God and Savior. In Romans 12, the Apostle Paul instructs us in the opening verse to offer our bodies as living sacrifices, all of it right up to our lips. Offer our bodies as living sacrifices. And then he says this, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Be transformed, changed, by the renewing of your mind, the making new of your thinking. Then you will be able to to test and approve what God's will is. My friends, God wants us to think differently than the world. That's what it means to repent. To change your mind and think differently, for starters, and then act differently. But to change your mind, and in this case, stop thinking about my need to be right. And instead, pray about speaking into what is right. And to witness to what is right. Repentance. I can't speak for you, I will just speak for me. I need to own my love of being right. I need to see every day the greater need of the kingdom. It's not about Nathan being right. It's how can I serve you in love? And I need to look for inspiration from Jesus who showed us how to do it. Dear friends, what Jesus modeled for us, this is key, what Jesus modeled for us is not simply nice-sounding words. This is the key to resolving family conflict and preventing family conflict. Lord Jesus, help me not need to be right. Help me to respond always with your wisdom and patience and love and honesty, always in service of the kingdom and those around me. Help me to love as you love me still today. Coming fully around and landing where we started. A couple years ago, I brought up to my Aunt Carol. She's the last surviving member of that adult generation on that day in 1976. And I brought up to her that memorable day that shook the family in 1976. And I had to remind her a little bit. It came back. But what was interesting is there there wasn't the tears of hurt and of pain. And I realized, you know, Somehow in his own way, Jesus did speak into that family, my family, into that day. And somehow he brought resolution because after that, life was good again. And the beauty of it, in heaven now, they're all at peace. One through Jesus taught by Jesus, lived by us still today. Dear friends, do we always have to be right? 
Or can Jesus be my peace? And can Jesus be the resolution that heals our families? As we close today, I would like us to join together in the words of the Apostles' Creed. And why are we doing this? When we confess the Apostles' Creed as the church of Jesus Christ, we are reminding ourselves of who our God is. And the most important thing about our God is He never changes. Our God is consistent in His love. And so this is the God who sent His Son to die for us and our stubbornness and our need to be right. And so as we remember the, our God and His nature and who He is, we remember today for our comfort and our peace. And we pray, dear Lord Jesus, think about this. The Apostles' Creed, we state everything that God is and did and does for us. Jesus did not come to serve himself, or he would have been all over being right. He came to serve you and me. So as we confess our faith in, the, in our triune God, please stand, and then we'll go roll right into prayer. And speak with me the words of the Apostles' Creed, words on the screen. Go ahead. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. We pray. Dear Lord Jesus, we come before you today and before your Father and the Holy Spirit asking your forgiveness upon us for, the, for needing to be right. Dear Lord Jesus, you came into this world and you lived being right. You were right in your love. Never once did you in sinful, self-centered anger and focus speak. You always spoke the message of the kingdom even when people were beating you, striking you, pounding nails through you, or saying things that were just totally wrong about you. You sucked it in, you sucked it up, and love came from your lips. Help us to be like you. Take away our need to be right. Put in its place the peace of forgiveness the joy of knowing you. And may you come out of us that healing may come to our relationships, healing may come to our families. Even if the family pushes back, we're all about healing and all about you. So bless us to that end, to your glory, to the peace of our heart and the joy of our family. And now, great God and Lord, we ask you to hear our prayer as your son taught us to pray. Words of the Lord's Prayer on the screen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. 
Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. And now receive with believing hearts the blessing of our God. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with his favor and give you his peace. And together God's people say, Amen. Thanks for joining us on the Closer to Christ sermon podcast from St. Paul's Lutheran Church and The Bridge in Muskego, Wisconsin. Closer to Christ podcasts are from our current sermon series and are released every Monday morning. For live stream services and other ministry information, please visit us online at stpaulmuskego.org.